This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Blair and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery for the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Hi, my name is Tom and I'm an alcoholic. AA Preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thank you. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you're an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognize it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is a physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recover. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who has just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So, let's meet our guest. Um, would our guest like to introduce themselves and give us a quick sketch of who you are, age, how long you've been sober, etc.? Sure. Hi, my name is Tom and I'm an alcoholic. Um, age, um, 46 years young mm-hmm. um, and uh, five years sober. Cool. Um, so I'd like to say my date is 18th of September, 2017. Cool. 
Cool. Uh, and any family or kids and stuff at the moment? Yes, uh, I have uh, four children um, and uh, um, and an ex-wife. <laughs> cool. Okay. Um, and, and looking back on life, like how would you define sort of your childhood and, and growing up for yourself, Tom? Yeah, sure. My my, my childhood, I mean, it was it was it was it was, it was tough. Um, uh, you know, my, my, my dad. Um, all I could remember uh, when I truly look at it is that yes, there were happy moments. There were moments we played sports with my dad, but uh, I grew up in a. My dad enjoyed his drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up just hearing fighting uh, at nighttime, most nights, things breaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was a it was a very, very very tough childhood uh, in the way I see it. Um, hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and taking that into consideration, having seen that around you, when did you start drinking? I started drinking when he was drinking, to be honest, because right. of my uncles when they'd sit around in a circle and you know there's drinking there and. Uh, but you didn't drink a full, you know, it was the dregs that, you know, at the bottom where, or when they asked you to get a beer from the fridge, you'd open it and have a quick sip and then bring it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't get drunk, but, you know, you sort of had a taste of it and, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I officially truly got into it was um, like most people, probably around 13, right. 12 or 13 is my clearest memory of the first good one. Right. And, and what did alcohol do for you when you had that first good one, so to speak? Everything was gone. Uh, there was no more, uh, you know, worrying about home. There was no more worrying about your childhood. Mm. Uh, there was no more worrying about anything. Uh, you know, all the friends that you hung around with, they all drank, and you became uh, it became like a family. To be that was the, that's the truest description that I can give. Mm-hmm. It was a family of. Uh, of people in school that you all, you know, when you had a party, you enjoyed it. And uh, I I became good at it, I suppose, is what you'd say. And and, and, and my mates liked that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I liked it. It didn't matter. I enjoyed it a lot. Right. And was it all social drinking at that stage? It started off as, as you know, uh, when you'd have house parties and hang out with your mates. And then I think I probably should have realized it was – becoming a bit of an issue as, as I grew older in high school. It was, um, I actually drank at school, mm. uh, you know. Um, we'd um, have a bottle of rum and, um, yeah, uh, drink at school, um, you know, during lunchtime or sports and, you know, uh, and it just just grew everything. Uh, even when there was a sports event, I suppose, where we come from, rugby league is a big thing and, mm-hmm. you know, You'd be having every excuse when yeah to have a have a drink. Right. Stayed at a boarding school, um, and that was the best because you could drink. They locked the door, and you could stay up there and drink. Mm. And um, yeah, it just it did become every every part of my life. Right. Yeah. And did you feel that was a problem, or did you try and stop at any stage? No, no, because as I said, you know. It made made me feel good. Mm-hmm. It truly did make me feel good. Um, you know, people recognized, I suppose, you as a person that, you know, oh, he's a good drinker. You know, and that kind of that kind of silliness when you're growing up, and mm-hmm. and you liked it. Well, I did. I liked it. I liked knowing that. You know, uh, you know, you could you could outdrink most people, yeah. and you were still there while people had stopped. Um, 
at the parties and and things like that. So, um, no, I didn't honestly did not see it, recognize it at all mm-hmm. as a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with that in mind, then what was the turning point, or what made you realize that you needed needed help with this? I uh, fortunate enough to meet this, um, you know, uh, lovely young girl, um, young lady who. Um, you know, we, we decided to settle down together and um, I think all the, uh, uh, all the hallmarks were always there. She was always concerned about it, but I just, I could not see it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I could not see it at all. Yeah, she's, yeah. So that's where I knew when she would quietly just say to me, I think, you know, I think your drinking is not normal. And that was, I suppose, in my early 20s, right. you know, when we first started a family. Yeah, and I knew, it was, yeah, I knew, but I just, you couldn't, I couldn't stop. Right. Yeah. I could not. And I know some people might, you know, think it's a weak excuse, but I just, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. just you, you needed to drink. Yeah. And with that contradiction of wanting to stop and not being able to, how did that make you make you feel on the inside? Angry. Right. I, I was a very angry person. Yeah. Um, angry at everything. Um, you know, even little excuses like, oh, at work they don't like me because, uh, you know, oh, you know, I'm not getting promotions because I'm race- they're racist. You know, all those, right. you know, all those kind of yeah. weird thoughts. Oh, these people don't want to talk to me because, you know, oh, my wife, you know. She she doesn't she doesn't love me. She's she's with someone else. You know I I know this. I've got suspicions. You know it was like inside your head all these voices and all these all these thoughts and and the things that you, the only thing that would quieten them down was to have a drink. Yeah, yeah. And was there like a rock bottom moment or a, a thing where it just really all came crashing down? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you'd think that um, you know having a, a family. Um, you know, with four children and a, and a very loving partner, ex-partner, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you'd think that that would make you stop. That wouldn't. That could not even make me stop. I was, I was blessed. Mm-hmm. I was blessed with a very good job, you know, uh, blessed with a home, you know, roof over my head, mm-hmm. warm bed for my children to sleep in, food on the table, things that I never grew up with, you know. When we grew up, it was... You, know, you went to bed with no food at right. night. Uh, you went to school with no lunch. You went to, yeah, you had nothing. And I promised myself that I would never, that would never happen to a family that I had. So I was very lucky, but I just, you know, you could not, you could not see the blessings that you had at mm. that time. I just could not see it. I could not see it. I was selfish, very selfish. Mm. I, everything. I wanted or angled around was for my fulfillment, you know. And and rock bottom was I broke down. Mm. I absolutely broke down in one of my jobs. Um, I had a a mental breakdown, is what I think you would term it. Um, could not move. I froze. Um, I was on a bus on the way home. And the guy, bus driver, wanted to call the ambulance because. I was shaken and I was I was broken. I just I couldn't I um I uh tried to kill myself. 
um, because I just didn't think life was worth living. Mm-hmm. I just thought that, uh, I even thought my children and my wife were against me. I thought there was a conspiracy. Right. You know, there were people conspiring. Everything was conspiring. My best mate, who's like a brother to me, even I thought all of them, you know, things were just going against me. And, and, and I broke. I really broke. Mm-hmm. I broke down. I, I, you know, I, you know, I, I, I looked at my, my wife as, as the enemy. Right. I truly did look at her as the enemy. I truly looked at her as someone who, uh, yeah, um, you know, I, I just, one night I got very, very heavy in yeah. a session where I just could not stop and I came home. And I lost it. I truly lost it. Mm. And you know, every accusation under the sun came out. Right. Everything under the sun came out. Um, you know, I had family coming, try to calm me down and, and all that. And, you know, my dad used to beat up my mum a lot. I saw that growing up in my own eyes. I saw my dad crack her skull and I still remember blood. I still remember that, and it's funny, you know, when you grow up as a man and, you know, you tell yourself you'll never ever do that, and I never ever did, but I used my words, Mm -hmm. and those words that I had were absolutely barbs. Uh, They were worse than touching anyone, Mm -hmm. because I was, I was not a good person. So, I mean, amidst that, that chaos, how did you find your way to your first AA meeting? Um, a pastor told me, um, I suppose, you know, I always knew that there's a, there's a higher power. I grew up with it, but along the way, you know, when you think, uh, you can do everything in the world, you forget about what you call your higher power uh, Mm -hmm. that I choose to call God. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I thought I didn't need God. I didn't need anything of all. And there was a, it was a, it was a family pastor, I suppose, who said, look, it doesn't matter how much church you come to, or how much praying you do. He said, the only thing I know that it's ever worked is AA. Right. And um, so I went to a meeting. I went to a meeting, first meeting on, on Chapel Street, um, just off Haywood Road, Chapel Street Church. And uh, to be honest, I went to for it for the whole wrong reason. I went there crying, feeling absolutely sorry for myself. And, and the main thought when I went to that first meeting is, how am I going to get my marriage back? How right. am I going to get my life back? Mm-hmm. How am I going to get it? Um, and that's how I ended up in my first meeting all those um, years ago. And it, it, yes, I turned up for the wrong reason as, I, as, I've, as I've learned now that, you know, you need to do it for yourself mm-hmm. because that's the only way. And, and I'm ever so glad I turned up to that first meeting, even though it was to, for saving a marriage, it was for all of that. Mm-hmm. It was the best thing I ever did. Yeah, and how were the people at that, at that meeting? Oh, awesome, uh, awesome. Because all I did was cry right through the whole meeting, <laughs> uh, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, there was one particular uh, gentleman who, um, you know, who we, we were good mates now. I was just over at his house last night watching the cricket. and Nice. Um, who, you know, he's, you know, he, 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 as he said, it's going to be okay. And you, but you've got you to come to meetings. and. Mm-hmm. And from that, there was another young fella, um, younger than me, who, um, as we do in AA, he um, 
when you saw me at that first meeting, he gave me his number and he said, look, I'll come and pick you up for your second one and your third one and your fourth one and your fifth one. And he did. And I'm ever so grateful for those, for those people. That's cool. And all the others in AA because that young man, I don't see him a lot anymore at, at the meetings, but I know he is still sober. And uh, he's a, he, he made a difference. Nice. Because we would chat in the car and shared his story and yeah, a lot younger than me, probably 20 years younger than me. But um, it was, yeah, that was my first introduction into AA. All right, and, cool. And, and from that, that beginnings, how have you managed to stay sober? What's recovery look like for you yeah. since then? It, it has. It's. I've had a um, uh, a bit of a journey. Uh, you would say, you know, I, I I came in and the best thing that I found was, uh, you know, when they said higher power, and I said, oh, you know, I know that. I know who it is. It's God. Mm-hmm. But I truly learned what spirituality is in AA. Mm-hmm. What it means to get down on knees and to and 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 to give and to and to say, you know, I I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I need your help. Uh, and I and, and and prayer is a big thing for me. Um, uh, that's the best thing that's ever happened. Um, is learning how to pray again. But on the other side of that, as soon as um, uh, I suppose my my three three years was up, I decided I'll take my show on the road. I believed um, I I didn't need AA. Right. It's done. It's done its bit. Now I'll just go to church, and church will be what will take me forward for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And. Um, it, you know, they, I suppose, you know, as, you, as we all, the three of us know in here, there's a term called dry drunk. Although I went to church, sang, prayed, even got on the, um, uh, the praise team, you know, sing again. It was good to sing again. But inside the head, it, it was, wasn't, still wasn't right. So, yeah. and um, I, it was good that I realized that because I truly believe that my higher power was still telling me that, yes, it's, it's, you know, this church you believe in is great, but AA is, for, for, for myself, and I've learned that, is that AA and church are things that go together for me mm-hmm. because people in AA still called me, they still chatted, we still had coffee, and it made, dawned on me clearly after, you know, uh, taking my show on the road that AA is is part of it, what I what I need. It's, it's the, when I come in and when I sit down, uh, you know, and when you listen to people, um, it doesn't matter whether somebody's been there for 30 years, somebody there for a week. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the giving and being helpful is what I, you know, my, uh, you know, I've had some very good sponsors. My first sponsor took me through the steps and it was really good to take things off your chest that you needed to. Right. Uh, my second sponsor, um, we parted ways my first sponsor uh, because, you know, we had a good relationship, but, um, you know, um, I was in town. Um, my first sponsor was elsewhere. Second sponsor, you know, they he, they both tried to tell me that um, my marriage is over. Right. But I'm stubborn. Mm. I could not believe it. And that was one thing uh, yeah, that I learned that, you know, the truth. It's, it's you got to hear the truth. Mm-hmm. And you have to open your eyes, your heart, your mind and hear the truth. And I never understood it back then when they when they explained to me that your marriage is over. It doesn't matter, but you can be sober, and you can be sober, and you can still get on with life. You will still have your children. You will still have your job. You will still have your home. Mm-hmm. And you got to stay. You have to look after yourself to stay sober. Yeah. Because there's no one else is going to help you to stay sober. 
I didn't want to hear that my marriage was over, which is quite funny. Right. And um, uh, and it, it's funny. Um, it's now over, but I was told about it, you know, three, three and a half, three, three, three and yeah, a half gotcha. years ago. Yeah. Yes. And, and what does life look like now for you? Uh, um, how, it's, how are the, yeah, how are the changes? I'm, What's happening? Uh, it, it's good. You know, it's been it's been it's been tough because um, uh, I tried to hold on to a relationship that was over. Mm-hmm. I did my utmost, and you know, to, to try to hold my family together um, uh, out of sheer willpower. Um, but it, it's it's life now. It's funny when I had a God moment, so to speak, as we say. Uh, I truly do believe there is a higher power. That something had happened in my life that I'd rather not go into it in too much detail. That I cannot, um, I cannot deny that there is a higher power. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, uh, it's it, in my life right now. It's good, you know. Separated, my, my children. I get to see my kids every second week. Cool. But it's awesome. They have smiles on their face again. I'm in a good space at work. Very good space. Excellent. Uh, you know, and and relationships with friends and that, uh, doing small jobs at home. So I'm actually I'm feeling pretty good. Cool, pretty good. Excellent. That's great to hear, man. Um, and would you have any sort of um, su- uh, suggestion for anybody that may have a problem with drinking? Yeah. Just something that they may be able to do that might help them identify that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I see it a lot, even at work. You know, Christmas parties, there's people who don't go to Christmas parties because they know. And there was one person at work, which, uh, and I suppose this is what I've learned at AA, is that, you know, I I just chatted with them. And I said, look, you know, why don't you, because I knew why they didn't want to go to the Christmas parties, because they had a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. And it was it was good to be able to say, there is a place where you can go. And there are people that can actually, they're not going to, tell you, you know, but you can be there and and follow your own, you know, your own journey. But you can. There is a place where it can help you to get better. Right. And I know that they are taking steps, which is pretty good. And that's yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, take yeah, get help is what I'm get help. Say. <laughs> AA, AA. Yeah. Cool. AA is the way. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tom. Uh, thank you for coming on your on the show and uh, sharing your story with us today. Cheers. Thank you very much. No worries. Um, And for our listeners, if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the website at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely that there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experience. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plans FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on Plans FM website at plansfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business, but if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with the serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, God grant, grant me the serenity to accept, accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.